0: Good morning Calvary Church, good to be with you. I'm Dave Mitchell, one of the pastors here and It's a privilege to be able to share God's word. We're in a wonderful study of the book of Hebrews. Uh, Maybe you took the challenge to read through the book of Hebrews. It's uh, about 13 chapters long, and uh, there's a lot in there. When I read through it, there's a lot there I simply say, I don't know what in the world they're talking about. How do I apply it to my life? So if you're like me, you're going to find it's probably one of the most difficult passages uh, in the whole Bible to fully understand. So today, I'd like to look into Hebrews chapter 1, and uh, won't do the deep dive in every verse, but kind of give you the overview, and I plan to use, through illustration and analogy, try to bring to life what the text intends for us to understand. So let's get right to it and take a look. Oh, oh my face is red. I didn't realize. I must have turned to the uh, slides that are on my own, uh, off my phone. And in point of fact, as cheesy as I am being right now, this happens to be my two-day-old grandbaby. And so because I'm preaching today and because I'm just sort of a selfish, self-serving kind of a guy, I thought I would just bring that little baby into your living room and family room as well. This is Camille Rose. Uh, She is the baby of our youngest daughter, and we're so thankful for our daughter and her son and our son-in-law, her husband. As uh, here, you see her. She's about three or four hours old at this point. She's not talking or walking yet, but we're sure that's going to be coming very soon. And what I'm, what I'm really excited about is that she's going to fit nicely in the back of my motorcycle, my Harley. I got a big one, so there's a back seat to it. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You wouldn't dare put that baby on the back of your motorcycle unless she's in a car seat and you're right, I'm way ahead of you. So we're going to have this thing all set up and uh, we're going to really live it up to the most and uh, we're excited for what God is doing. Now, as self-serving as this seems to be, this is actually part of the point of the passage of today. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through the first part of chapter 2, what the author is talking about there is that Jesus is supreme, but he's comparing Jesus to something else. And the something else that he's comparing Jesus to are angels. You notice that in verse 14 of chapter one, it talks about angels are ministering to us even as we serve the Lord together. And this baby is also like an angel. Angels are good. Angels we honor. Angels have done great and mighty things. But Jesus says, I don't want those Jewish people during the days that the book of Hebrews was written and read to exalt angels above Jesus. Jesus would come to me and say, well, I know, Dave, you're not really hung up on angels like they were, but it would be easy to be hung up on other good things in life, like grandbabies. Nothing better than a grandbaby I am experiencing now. Even as we Skyped with Kirstie over the phone as she was in the hospital and we, weren't prohibit- we were not prohibited from going there, Uh, We love watching little Camille. And then she started crying, and we said, okay, well, thanks. It's been great to see you, and we'll let you be with your little baby. So you get the good stuff, and she's good. But what God would say, Dave, don't take what is good and then replace it for what should be best. That's the theme of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2. And so we're going to break that down and sort of help you and me focus more on who Jesus Christ is. So, as you read through the book of Hebrews, the reason we need to focus on Jesus and make him supreme in our lives, as I read through the book of Hebrews, I notice three reasons why that's important. And on the outline, it's more fully developed of all these points, and I encourage you to download that. Uh, I want you to be a student of God's word. I want you to study God's word. We're going to touch on these areas lightly and let you, uh, on your own study time, be able to dig a little bit deeper. But notice these three things that the scriptures teach us as to why we should focus on Jesus even over good things. For example, in chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about the fact that we will drift away. The word drift means like in a slow river where you just slowly float away. It's easy to sort of drift away from the intensity of a faith in Jesus Christ, to allow other things to sort of crowd in, like Tony read early in Hebrews chapter 12, where there's other things, the encumbrances of life, that get in our way. So we drift from Jesus, and there's not that passion for him. Secondly, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, you notice there it says that uh, some of you ought to be teachers by now. But we're talking about the elementary things. And what happens when we drift away from Jesus is a spiritual stagnation. There's a dryness to the soul. There's not a vitality to the faith. And if we go through a time of persecution like some of them did in those days, it's hard to stay faithful to Christ because we want to really question him in ways that undermines our faith. And then thirdly, one of the things I noticed in the book of Hebrews as to why we should focus on Jesus is because our hearts will grow weary. Again, Tony read that in Hebrews 12.3. I don't want you to grow weary. I don't want you to lose heart because you've lost your focus on Jesus Christ. And we can go through those experiences and those things can happen to us. Let Let me just illustrate. A friend of ours in another church in another city called me on an emergency call one time and said, my marriage is in deep, deep trouble. And whenever I hear something like that, I assume it must be some sort of a terrible sin or some terrible violation or abuse of, of some type or another. And I said, well, what is the problem? I went over to see her. And she said, the problem is baseball. I said, baseball? Yeah. Every weekend, my husband is in a tournament, and he's never at home with the kids, never comes with me to church. He's always preoccupied by baseball and softball. And I felt a little guilty because I actually played on a team with him. But every weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, he's gone. And she said, it's destroying our marriage. And what hit me at that point is that sometimes marriages are destroyed or undermined by bad things that we do so that we can't have a good marriage. But it also hit me, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 and following, that there are good things in life, nothing wrong with softball or other sports or working hard or being diligent in the gym. They can all be good, but when they begin to replace Christ and my focus on Him, worshiping Him, honoring Him, living for Him, learning about Him, when those things that are good take the place of that which is best, Jesus, then I'm in trouble. And I'm troubled because my heart grows weary My spiritual life stagnates and I begin to drift away. I love this quote of Soren Kierkegaard. You don't have to agree with everything that he says to appreciate what he said here. He wrote that the church has become filled with people who are admirers of what Christ wants, but really what he really wants is imitators. We're not here just to admire him and understand he's so wonderful, but he wants us to live for him. And so let's get into why. Why should we focus on Jesus? There are five reasons in this particular passage. I hope you have the Bibles open. We're in verse 5 of chapter 1. And the reason why we should focus on Jesus is because he is the eternal son of God, proven at his resurrection. It says there in verse 5, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And so the exaltation of Christ, he's talking about from Psalm, in the, in the book of Psalms, he's, he's saying this is all about Jesus Christ. So he rules over us. You know, we live in during this pandemic, and as a brand new grandfather, I was intrigued a couple of days ago, a friend of ours told us about a friend of hers who was a grandmother. And as a grandmother, she was out walking around on the beach and enjoying some of the the fresh air that's out there and getting a little break from the uh, isolation of the home. And she told her grandson, her young grandson, that she had been out walking about. And her grandson looked at his grandmother and yelled at her, Grandma, you can't do that. You're an endangered species. You might be dead as a result of that. And so as an endangered species those of us who see sort of this pandemic and the weakness that it can come to us, it's comforting to know that even during times that are very uncertain, there is someone who still rules. And that's what, that's what the book of Hebrews is talking about, that Jesus rules over us. And that was proven at his resurrection. That's the first point that the author wants us to make as to why we should focus. That even when we feel like our jobs, our health, Our lives, our families, our endangered species, Jesus is still in charge. And I bring comfort to my own soul about that. The second thing that I noticed in this passage in verse 6 is that we should focus on Christ because he will return to earth to be worshipped and followed by his angels. He's planning to come back. He will return to us. And I highlight there in that particular passage that it says that he again will come back to us. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. He will return. He's coming back. C.S. Lewis said this. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. The idea that Christ is going to come back. And what Scripture is filled with is this intensity to be completely dedicated on that return, the expectation that he will come back. And again, in Hebrews chapter 12, don't be led away by the encumbrances of this world, but to be focused on Jesus Christ. Don't let the desires of this world that can be good take me away from that which is best, to be distracted, and I have there in the passage, uh, 1 John 2, 28 through 3:3, it's rich about the return of Christ. I encourage you to read that. But let me illustrate by way of analogy. This is our other grandchild. This is Mackenzie. Mackenzie, it looks like in this picture, is taking up smoking, but that's not the case. She's actually got a stick in her mouth. She's about seven, eight months old now. And I take her for walks. Joy takes her for walks. We take her for a walk together. And the amazing thing about walking Mackenzie is that, for me, I want to go there, I want to get back home. For Mackenzie, she goes, and then she looks and sees a leaf blowing or a grasshopper hopping. She says, I've got to go chase it. She'll see a car drive by, I've got to run after it. She'll see somebody in the front of their living room, and she says, I've got to go see them. I've got to stop and check them out. And she'll stand there, and she'll keep looking back at them. And all as we try to walk, she's constantly distracted by every little moving target that's out there. And I get so frustrated by her. And we love her to, to death. I mean, she's got a crooked tail. She's got an underbite. Her tongue is extremely long, and it's, uh, it's really troubling to look at it. But that's Mackenzie. We love her. But she's so distracted when she's on this little walk of journey. And I, and I sort of say that just in the simplicity of that story, in the simplicity of what that illustration is, that in our journey as we travel along, it's, it's easy for me to kind of get my eye off on what I am really all about to find this moving target and this shiny thing and this good thing and maybe this bad thing. And Jesus says, but I'm coming back. That's the whole point. I will return, I will again be with you. And what he encourages us, there are so many times is be alert to my return, I'm coming back. And so Jesus invites us to be focused on him because he rules and because he will return to us. And then we need to focus on Jesus Christ because he is reliably righteous. I love these verses here in verses 7 through 9. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? Uh, They're all out there. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. I love that. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You love righteousness. And what he means is that God is righteous and God does right things. Now let me just unpack something for a little bit. You know, sharing about my little grandbaby is a, is a beautiful thing, but I recognize that there's, there's those that go through really difficult times with pregnancies. If I could take you back a couple of years, I remember being on a motorcycle ride and find out that uh, Kirsty is pregnant. And we're excited for that because we didn't know whether they would have children. We didn't know that it was going to happen. She, they're in that journey that a lot of young couples are in and our hearts go out to them and because we know the heartbreak of the challenge of becoming pregnant when you can't be. And so she became pregnant and then I learned that she lost that little baby and then got pregnant and lost that little baby. And I can tell you as a grandparent, I think it hurts worse as a grandparent than it does even because Joy and I have been through that as well. And I know how painful that can be. How hard it is to lose that which you were trusting in. To, to look at God and say, God, you're a righteous God. You do right things. And yet you go through these times where it feels so wrong. And it's easy to question the rightness of God when my circumstances feel so wrong. For a lot of people, the pandemic, the loss of jobs, the loss of income, how do I pay my rent, my mortgage? How do I take care of my family, the responsibilities? So many things can feel so wrong when we're saying, but God, you are right. Well, we went through that journey with them and the heartbreak of the loss that they experienced. And we were reminiscing yesterday about that particular time, and on the fireplace mantle in their living room is a picture of a yellow rose. Well, when they found out that Kirstie was losing that baby and they had to go get some medical attention for that, they looked out, they saw a rose bush in their backyard, and at that point, as she was losing that child, the rose bush was completely dead. There was nothing on it. They go and take care of the medical needs that are at that place and when they came back that next day, they looked out at that rose and they saw this, a rose bush, a rose flower in full bloom that had not been there the previous day. Now they and we are not really into circumstances that look a little strange and somehow read through it, although God does speak through his divine creation but they took it and we take it for what it is, a blessing, a a new life on what was a dead bush. And that somehow maybe God is sending them a little bit of glimmer of hope and grace. And it was through that journey. And and I just want to let you know about a couple that's doing wonderful things for couples who go through those hard times. And Doug and Jesse Brown, their uniquely knitted ministry, Jesse brought over a a wonderful little care package for Kiersey. And it's just moving to remember how important that was to them. And for grandparents who go through that and how valuable that can be. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't expect to get choked up. But I want you to understand it's hard. It's hard for us to go through difficult things that seem so wrong when I get up here and preach that God does what is right. And so about a year after that, we were standing in the driveway of Kirstie's and Josiah's home and Kirstie got this little, glim, little grin on her face and said, I, I'm pregnant again. So we huddled up and we surrounded each other like a football huddle and there I prayed, God, we've been through this before. These are not easy times. So God, all I know is that you're a good God, you're a righteous God and this little baby that is now within her. God, we place in your hands. We don't know the future. This may happen again a third time. This may be the one. As we committed that life and our children's lives to Jesus Christ, this is the time that God blessed them with grace. I know that it doesn't always work that way. I get that. But in this case, I honor Christ that he brought us through that. He gives little glimpses of hope and simplicity of a rose so we can remember that God is a God who gives life. And that little baby Camille Rose, and that's why they call her Camille Rose, because she is a a blossom of life. And to remember that the God that we worship never lost the rule, never lost the righteousness. He will return to us. And that is the God that we can trust in. So this is the God that we turn to. This is the Christ that we believe in. And so he says, because someday I will come back and I'll create a new heaven and a new earth. I will recreate that. In verses 10 through 12, you can read about it. And you know, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 helps to sort of amplify the idea. I'm coming back. This is not permanent. This is temporary. Our bodies are temporary. I call them, our bodies are, are like rentals until we get that perfect new body. And this earth that we live in that is filled with viruses that kill people, it's temporary. So what he says here, I want you to focus on Jesus. I don't want you to lose heart. I don't want you to become spiritually stagnant. I don't want you to drift away in the hardships of life. I want you to know I am coming back. And I will restore what is broken. I will make all things new. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 talks about this temporary moment that we go through. That God says, I want to restore it. And then finally, his last of the five things that he wants us to focus on is Jesus will give us the victory over anything that oppresses us. He says that in verses 13 and 14, but to which of the angels has he said? Sit at my right hand. No, angels are great, but none of them sit at his right hand. Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits? Yes, angels are good. They are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. They have great value. They are good. But he says don't take what is good and replace it with what is best, and that's the person of Christ. So he says he will give you victory over everything, even using his angels to assist you through the process. Now, as we became grandparents, uh, Joey and I actually watched this show on Netflix called Babies. It's been a long time since we've had babies in our world. It's interesting, one of the things they talked about there is that when a mom and a baby are looking at each other close like this image, that something happens in the hormones and something happens in the deep recesses of the brain. There's an organic and a chemical reaction that occurs simply by looking and being close. It's interesting, you see, well, yeah, sure, mothers, they're they're built differently. But then they said, we studied fathers. We studied fathers who actually have no wife to be caring for that child. And the father has the same chemical and organic reaction in the brain and the chemistry of of their hormones when they are that close, both in the baby and the mom and the dad. There's some sort of a mysterious thing that happens in the dynamic of a parent and a child's closeness looking at each other, feeling each other, experiencing each other. There's a richness to it. And I thought, isn't it true also that in the spiritual realm, that one of the reasons why this writer is saying focus on Jesus is because there is a spiritual dynamic of intimacy that builds. When my eyes are focused on the eyes of Christ, in a spiritual realm, to see him in Scripture, to see him in experiences of life, to see him in the righteousness that he unfolds all around us, that we can live in that world of keeping our focus on Jesus because he is supreme. Don't let the good take away the best and to keep those priorities correct. That's why in that closing portion of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it tells us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When our eyes are on him, then God is continuing to work to build within us all that he wants and to build within our lives and our community and our friends. So I invite you into that world. If you don't know that Jesus that I'm talking about, that some good things and maybe some bad things have stolen him from your heart and your mind and your faith to return back to him, to come to him for the first time, to believe and say, Jesus, I trust in you today that you would be my savior. Take the sin, take the good that's replaced the best, who is you, and let me reprioritize. Let me get my life right. Restore me spiritually, that I would grow spiritually, that I wouldn't drift, and that I wouldn't grow weary. So Christ, I come to you for that. I'm going to close in prayer, and after I pray, please remain with us. I want to help us focus on Jesus in a beautiful video that you're going to be so blessed by. It's uplifting to remember what it's like to be looking towards Jesus and focused on him. And then we close with a beautiful song, the revelation song that you and I will sing when we are in heaven someday. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for the many blessings that come because we know Jesus. And Father, I know that for me, it's easy for some of the good things in the world to sort of uh, take the place of the best thing, who is Christ. Where my life becomes distracted, where the encumbrances of life cause me to lose that foothold of trusting in Jesus Christ. So help any who are battling that as well, that there's many good things out there and even some bad things that we can be involved with. But that, Lord, that we would refocus on who Jesus is, what he offers to us today and that he is righteous and he is right and that in the course of time we can see his masterful work in our lives. Father, thank you for all these things. So we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.